following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you would, uh, take your Bibles. We're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 15 this morning. 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. It's a letter uh, to the Corinthians. Uh, So you'll have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You'll see that. And then you'll get into some of these uh, letters right after Acts. And then you'll hit Romans. And then you'll get to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. And we're going to go way to the very end of 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to look at verse 58. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Uh, Yesterday, Bethany and I decided to go uh, up to South Bend to the Winding Brook Lights. Uh, We lasted for a while. The girls, not so much. One of them had to... um, had to listen to nature's call. Um, the other one was like, can we go home? Um, and Bethany and I were like digging the lights or whatever. Before we went there, um, and for some of you that don't know, Winding Brook is a, is a place in South Bend, and they have all the homes in Winding Brook will completely deck out their houses, and they have all these Christmas lights and all that other crazy fun stuff. And then um, before that, though, uh, we went and we had uh, just a few things to shop for, and I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I do fine up here preaching. That doesn't bother me at all. But when I get into commerce world and I realize that like I'm just one of like all these uh, crazy people because we all are at this season that is shopping, I just go into like frozen mode. Anybody have that? Like they just freeze. Like I'm just like, what are we doing here? Why am I here? Why do I need to be here? And then I have no idea how to act, right? Like I have no idea what to do. I forget entirely what I was there for. I get the reason that I'm there for. I start losing children. Um, Bethany's looking at me like, Jordan, come on. And I'm just like, whoa. I'm like deer in headlights. And one of the things uh, that, that I realize when I'm standing there and I'm in this frozen state is how should I be? I mean, we have looked at um, in the past, uh, two years ago, we talked about Isaiah, I believe, and then we've discussed 24, the 24 days leading up to Jesus' birth. We've looked at that season after season. And when uh, we landed here in December, uh, one of the things that I was struggling with is, how should I be during this holiday season? What should I be like? If somebody could have just given me instructions before I walked in that door to Commerce World on how to act and what to do and what would be expected of me, it would have been so much easier. And that's where we get into this holiday season. How are we to be. I mean, for example, people say that we should be one way or that we should be another way, right? Like you should be happy. You should be joyful. I'm not joyful in commerce world. Anyone? Amen? Like I'm just not happy there. Uh, some people say that you should, you should be sad or you should be uh, this certain way. And when we land this uh, week as well as next week and the week after that, we're going to focus on being three things. This morning, first of all, being 
motivated. Paul's going to encourage us to be motivated to do three things that are really going to tie into our season this year. But before we do that, um, we need to pause just once again, and we need to pray together. So if you would, just set your stuff aside for a moment, your Bible, your notes, your pen, and your pencil. Just put them aside uh, for a moment, and let's just pray together this morning. Dear Lord, Thank you so much, um, as my dad said last week, that this is your word and we don't have to add to it. We don't have to take away from it. We just clarify what it says. And we praise you and thank you that there is no God like you. We know that this holiday season, we're looking around and we're seeing all sorts of different people, including ourselves, run to false idols. And we know that you are the living God and We desperately want to keep our eyes on you. We thank you so much this morning for keeping your covenant with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you would send us a guide and a counselor. Thank you for showing us that love, not only this morning, but all week long. God, so many of us desire, including myself, to live in wholehearted obedience to you. And God, the older I'm getting, the more I'm learning that that is really, really a challenge. And while we're experiencing those challenges and we're facing those challenges, we thank you that your word proves true. That while we are striving for obedience, your word is a book that has fulfillment, not only in our individual lives, but will be fulfilled when you come and call us home again. As your servants this morning, God, we would ask that you would listen to us as we pray to you today. We ask that the requests that are being ushered up amongst our people would be not only made known, but would be answered. We pray that you would watch over the people who are in the sanctuary this morning, and for our family members who aren't with us here today, we pray that you would watch over them as well. As we corporately worship you this morning, would you hear us? Would you hear our prayers? And would you forgive us? We ask that you would forgive us for the wrongdoings that we have done to fellow believers, for brothers and sisters. Forgive us when we sinned against not only them, but you as well. We ask that you would restore us and bring us back to a right standing. We pray that you would forgive us. Right here, In this moment, at this time, you would forgive us. And you would teach us to do what is right. Help us, God. We cannot do this alone. You know our thoughts. You know our hearts. And therefore, deal with us. Help us to be obedient. And in this season, when we celebrate your son Jesus being born in a manger and in this season our anticipation growing that you would come again. Give us a peace that passes all understanding. Give us the ability to know that your promises are still true for today. We thank you for never leaving us or abandoning us no matter what our situation or circumstance is. And we pray diligently that we would be obedient to what Paul's about to speak in our lives. Remember us in your grace and your mercy. 
Help us to live out this teaching. Continue to meet our needs, God, as they're present so that the world may know that your son not only came, but he died and he rose again. And he is ruling and reigning still to this day. We submit ourselves to you and we sacrifice daily for the kingdom of heaven that's at hand. It's in your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. amen. So 1 Corinthians, okay, let's backtrack a second on 1 Corinthians. Here's what's going on in 1 Corinthians, okay? Paul planted a church in a city called Corinth. Say Corinth. Okay, so he plants this church in Corinth. Why would he go there? Paul plants a church in Corinth because it is swimming with idols and it's got immorality going on and people are essentially, as the teenagers say, off the chains. They are running to sin fast. Sound familiar? So Corinth has a lot of parallels that our current society deals with today. And not only is the society struggling, okay? Let's look at this really, really in depth. The church is struggling in Corinth. The church is having some issues. Here's some of their issues. Let's see if we can resonate with this. And let's not point fingers here this morning either, okay? They're having some divisions. They're having some lawsuits, sexual sins, bad worship ceremonies, and some of them are immature. You know anybody like that? Stop looking at me. They are in crisis, okay? And Paul is going to write to them. He's going to write them a letter. Why would Paul write Corinth a letter? He writes them for a couple reasons. First of all, he writes them because he wants to comfort them. Secondly, he writes them because he wants to correct them. Thirdly, we see that Paul writes them because he wants to instruct them on how to live. He says for the whole book, essentially, don't be like the world, be like the word. As John says, the word was made flesh and it dwelled among us. His name is Jesus. Try to be obedient and live like him. This is whole, this is whole thing. I just summarized Corinthians. Have a good day. Enjoy your lunch. Not even close. Okay. So, what's happening in 1 Corinthians 15? So let's look at it a little bit closer. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul explains that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then Paul is not only a liar, but he's a lunatic, and you're wasting your time. I can resonate with that as a pastor, because I feel the same way. When we get to church on Sunday morning, if Jesus Christ has not died and risen, everything that I'm telling you or anybody who steps on this stage is telling you is a liar and a lunatic and you are wasting your time. But we look at it and we know for sure that Jesus did die on the cross and he did raise from the dead and he is our hope and our future because he came and he's coming again. And so Paul says, listen to me, it's not my words. It's what Jesus did for us and showed us on how we should be. So Paul is screaming to the people that Christ has risen from the dead. He was an apostle. He was an eyewitness. He saw these things with his eyes. He was, he was, it was made manifest to him. It was made known to him. 
And so he's looking at it and he says, listen, the world's going to end. And those that believe in Jesus through faith are living a life that is worth it, first of all. And second, a life that will go on forever. Christian, if you don't hear anything else this morning, understand that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your life is worth it and you will live forever. I, I don't think I heard you on that. Your life is worth it and you will live forever. I mean, that is the hope that we have. And Paul is communicating that to me. He says, listen, life has problems. We have junk going on, but it is worth it. So while you're here on earth waiting for Christ's return, be motivated to be three things. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Let's read it. He says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not vain. I'm going to read it one more time. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, <laughs> be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. First thing he says to us, track with me here. First thing he says is be motivated Christian in this season to be strong. Write that down. To be strong. To be strong. He uses the word steadfast there in 1 Corinthians 58, the first part. Steadfast means that you are firmly fixed and placed or you are determined. You know anybody like that? Firmly fixed in place and determined. Now, not for evil, but you're fixed for good, okay? Paul says this to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. He says, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm. Be steadfast. That's what he tells them. You must be steadfast in the truth that you have received. Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ rose again so that you may have life and life to the fullest. Be firm in that. Be fixed and placed in that and be determined in that truth. Why? I don't want you to drift away from it, he says, from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The Colossians, okay, remember, he's writing to the Corinthians. He also writes to the Colossians. And in Colossians, he writes to them and he says that you have a settled faith. Essentially what that means is you are grounded like a building on a strong foundation. He says the Colossians have a settled face. They are strong. They are steadfast. It's hard to move them. Would our community say that about Community Gospel Church? Would they say that we are strong? Would they say that we are steadfast? We don't move a whole lot on the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. I would hope so. I, I get questions all the time. Jordan, what is your church all about? To make Christ known near and far. What does that mean? It means to make Christ known near and far. What do you mean? It means to make Jesus Christ known near and far. Accept, confess, and believe that he is the Messiah, that he came and he's coming again. Perfect segue for Christmas. What do you believe Christmas is? I ask people that all the time. What do you believe Christmas is? My two-year-old thinks that Christmas is a time where she gets to get gifts. My four-year-old thinks it's a time that Jesus came along with Santa. We have some work to do in the muck house, okay? They're on the same sleigh coming down the mountain to grandmother's house. Pray for us. Pray for us, okay? Theology's a little messed up there, okay? Paul didn't doubt that the 
Corinthians, as well as the Colossians, would be strong. He knew it. He believed it. Okay, This is huge for us as a church. Because I believe the Community Gospel Church is strong and is steadfast. I think you guys are people who are hard to move. Okay, And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. You should be rooted, the Bible tells us, in the gospel and the doctrines of Jesus Christ. You should be rooted. You should be firm in that. We have a good, rich history as a church of making Jesus Christ known near and far. We don't move from that a whole lot. Now, sometimes structures change a little bit, but the foundation is still the same. Sometimes we have to remodel a room here and there, okay, or add an addition or take an addition away, but the foundation is the same. And so Paul tells the people, be fixed in place, be like Christ. Okay, Paul, I got it. Check, makes sense, kind of. Can you clarify just a little bit? Yes, absolutely. He says, so what does that look like to be steadfast in my everyday life? Let me give you what that looks like and how you should be strong this holiday season. First of all, it is our job, I'm not going to say job, it is our duty, our responsibility as Christians to be people who know biblical truth. To know biblical truth. We should know what the Bible says. How do we know what the Bible says? Read it. We have to be students of Scripture. I mean, we have to know biblical truth. Ephesians chapter 4. Don't be tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Or be deceived by the serpent. This is my biggest fear for where we are at today as a society and a culture. That we do not use this book enough to validate the truth that we know. We will use everything else besides the Bible to defend where we stand. And I believe we do that because we're scared. We're scared that we might be wrong, that the latest Christian book or the latest book that's out, the bestseller, may be wrong. And so we fail to study Scripture to know biblical truth. I ask this to people all the time. Yes, but what does the Bible say? Yes, but what does the Bible say? Do you know biblical truth? Use Scripture. Read it. 60-day, 90-day, 180-day, 360-day Bible reading plan. You should be in the Word as Christians every single day. This is how you remain steadfast. Now, here's the funny thing. People look at me and they go, Jordan, I have no idea what I read. What did you eat for breakfast two months ago? Somebody, somebody in here is like, I had pancakes. <laughs> I, and they, I put syrup on them and they were amazing because I had butter on them and, and I had orange juice and then I took my daily vitamin and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay, you're smarter than everybody else in the whole entire room and we love you and I'd love to talk to you. But... When we look at this, we realize that we may not know what we have eaten two months ago, but we know that we ate. And so we stay in the word of God because we know that it is enriching our souls through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to make us strong and steadfast when we meet the troubles, the circumstances, and the situations of our everyday life. Because the Holy Spirit will come, church, Follow with me here, and he will illuminate on your heart what you need to say based off of the word that you were in. We must know biblical truth. Secondly, we must live that biblical truth out. It's not enough that you would just know it. 
Like Paul's biggest thing was he's looking at it, the Corinthian church receives the letter. This is good. Paul's a smart guy. Put it in the back. No, they said, let's, let's look at this. Let's read. 1 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So we read it and then we live it out. We read it and then we live it out. We're going through some doctrines with some guys in the church right now. And I tell them this all the time. Don't make it more difficult than it is. God doesn't make Christianity complex. He makes Christianity simple because it's hard to live it out. It's easy to learn. It's hard to live it out. And Paul knows this for the Corinthian church. He says, if you want to be solid, if you want to be rock solid, you have to know biblical truth and live it out because it's the foundation of your faith. Minds and hearts can be shaped and molded by living out Scripture in an everyday context. Let me just ask you a question, church. How are we doing at this? Like, how are we doing at this? Look at what the the Bible says. John chapter 8. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. How do we remain faithful to the teachings? Being steadfast as Christians. We do what it says. 2 Peter chapter 1, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. How do I get grace and peace? I grow in the knowledge of Scripture. How do I get more peace? I grow in the knowledge of Scripture. How do I grow in grace? I grow in the knowledge of Scripture. How do I grow in the knowledge of Scripture? I read what the Bible says. The biggest prayer that you can pray as a Christian before you sit down and read Scripture is, God, would you open and illuminate on my heart what I'm about to read so that I can not only know it but live it out. Do we do that when we approach Scripture? This is how we become strong and steadfast. Because let me tell you what, this is how it breaks down. Aunts and uncles, grandma and grandpas, they're coming. They're going to be at your house. Nieces, nephews, cousins, they're coming. Crazy Uncle Jim, I got one of those. He's coming. I mean, are we ready for this? And the crazy thing is it's, it's, we're not building arguments against people who have opinions and stances. We're speaking truth to what is coming at us as Christians. And so there's not a whole lot of arguments that happen in our house because this is what the Bible says. And so we must be steadfast. We must be a rock on this. Let's look at number two. He says, <clears throat> second thing, be steady. Paul uses the term immovable. Thank you so much. Everybody asks me if I'm sick. I'm really doing okay. Um, be immovable. Okay? So first thing he says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. Secondly, be immovable. Immovable is a lot like being steadfast. They're kind of tied into each other. However, immovable means that one isn't capable of being sidetracked. You ever been, you ever rabbit trailed with somebody? You ever been there? I'm the king at this. Like, we'll be talking about something, and all of a sudden, before I know it, I'm talking about pink Easter bunnies and and just weird stuff. Like, how did we get there? How did we land there? And we just rabbit trail. We rabbit trail. We go sidetracked. Paul says, listen, Corinthian church, community gospel church, getting sidetracked. How do we get sidetracked as a church? You know how we get sidetracked as a church? We lose focus on making Christ known near and far. And Paul tells us, he says, listen to me, he says, 
that can happen emotionally or that can happen physically. It can happen internally. It can happen externally, okay? You can lose your purpose, which has huge implications for us as Christians. Paul's desire and purpose for the people of Corinth, as well as the people of Colossians, as well as the people of Ephesus, as well as the people of Bremen, as well as the people of Community Gospel Church, as well as the churches who were spread out all across the world, his desire was that people would be unmoved by the false teachers of the day. That's 1 John. John's whole push was that you remain unmoved by the teachers of the day. What are you talking about, Jordan? Well, you get messages every single day. Yes? You get messages every single day from every single different angle. And we have to go back, and if we're going to have a strong foundation as Christians, especially in this holiday season, we have to understand that we are to be immovable and not sidetracked from knowing what the Scripture says and living that out. And so Paul says your whole purpose here is that you would be students of the Word so that you would be immovable because there are many false teachers out there. Ephesians chapter 4, essentially what he says is be a wall, not a wave. Be a wall, not a wave. There's, in California, um, we just had uh, some friends, some new friends here from California, and we were talking about surfing, and I always think it's fun to talk to somebody about surfing because I don't surf, and I have no idea what it means to surf. And we were riding in a car together, and he's using all these sermon, or, or these surfing illustrations, not sermon illustrations, I was getting preached at my van. And, uh, He's, he's talking about surfing, and I literally stopped, and I go, hey, I don't mean to interrupt you. I have no idea what you're talking about. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, we don't surf in Indiana. <laughs> he goes, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because there's no ocean, brother. Like, it doesn't exist. And uh, the thing he was talking about, it was, it was interesting. When we, we were having this conversation, he was talking about, you have to be careful where you surf because sometimes there's some walls that are built up. And if you ride the wave for too long, you run into the wall. And he said, you know, it's interesting when you think about that because you don't always see it. You don't always see the wall coming. Because you're too busy in the wave to see that the wall is coming. Because there's some places that have been built up on the beach that, that need to be there to stop the water from getting into the town. Now, Christian, here's where we're getting at here. Are we so immovable that we spend so much time immersed in the world that we hit the wall and we wonder what happened? I mean, do we get to the point where we're like, hey, I didn't see that coming. And Paul's looking at the Corinthian church and he says, that is exactly what is happening to you guys. You're being deceived. There's waves that are over your eyes and you can't see the next thing that's coming because you're so submerged in it. So you've got to know biblical truth and live biblical truth out so that you can receive grace and peace. And Luke 13 says, I have wanted to gather your children together as hens protect her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And so there's a a submissiveness that has to take place to say, God, you can do this. So what does it look like to be immovable? Okay, Paul, I get it. Like, okay, I'm starting to understand and and see what this looks like. But what does it look like in my everyday life to be immovable, standing strong for the gospel of Jesus Christ, even in this holiday season? How do I not get sucked up in it? I mean, what am I supposed to do here? How am I supposed to to hold fast to these teachings of Jesus when it seems like everybody in the whole entire world is going their own way? This is frustrating for me. Everybody gets their opinion but Christians. Or so it seems. Like, God, everything looks like everybody has just submitted to their own way. What do we do? Jordan, 
Community gospel. First thing, be in constant prayer. Oh, duh. Why do I forget prayer all the time? It just escapes me sometimes. Prayer protects us from spiritual anorexia. It comes at us and it fills us and it fuels us and it finds us. It protects us in the hardships of life. Did you know that 12 times in the Gospels, Jesus goes to prayer? And they are in moments of high crisis, high conflict. We see Jesus, he goes to prayer. And God finds him every single time. It doesn't matter if he's in conflict or if he's in contemplation, he goes to prayer. And when he finds himself in prayer, it's, it's interesting to me, church, because this is where I live. There's nothing wrong with you checking out of the world for a moment to spend time in a word of prayer. There's nothing wrong with it. I, was, oh, I might miss something, Jordan. I might, I, might, I might lose something. It's okay. It's okay. Take a moment, pause, and say, hey, can you just give me a moment here for a second? just need to think and pray for this for a minute. We learn this discipline when we eat together, don't we? This is why we pray for our food. Because it teaches us that it's okay to pause while the hot plate of food sitting in front of our face is getting cold. I hear that every single day in my house. Dad, it's so hot. Well, let's pray about it for a while. No, I don't, you know. Like, take a moment and stop. And pray. Be in constant prayer. Paul says, be in constant prayer. Listen, this is how you are immovable because you are willing, church, and you're doing a good job at this. You are willing to stop and pause and be in prayer. Second thing he says, and we lose this at the Christmas season. Please, 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 for the love of all that is holy, be happy. How how am I supposed to be immovable? We sang it. Rejoice! An attitude of joy comes from those who stand strong in the faith. Remember, we're full of faith, hope, and love. And we trust in a one that's always in control. I love what John 16 says. He says, take heart, be happy, because Jesus has overcome the world. I love that. Take heart, be happy, because Jesus has overcome the world. I sent Becky uh, this week, like, two or three videos of gospel music. I'm talking like real gospel music like we heard this morning, right? I love it. There's so much passion in it. There's, there's movement behind it. And I think about it and I'm like, man, that's, we got to be happy as Christians. If people see us walking around and we're miserable, we get sidetracked easy. Once we're sidetracked, we, we get to this point to where we're, we're, we lose our joy. And why did we lose our joy? Because we're not living in the word. And we're not living in the word because we think our life is horrible. And God looks at it and he says, no, your life is not horrible. Your life is awesome. And you have to understand that I, I am here for you. You have access to me. Man, I am present in your life. And I am going to bless you beyond all that you can imagine. Imagine, and that's not necessarily always monetarily, relationally sometimes, church-wise sometimes. I mean, God has blessed us. We look around and we're like, whoa, God is moving. And this should make us happy. This should, this should cause for, to rejoice. And then we sit there back and we go, man, I don't know. Be a movable church. 
Be steadfast, church. Be this way. Be motivated from your relationship with Jesus Christ to be this way. Ephesians 5. Be filled and walk by the Spirit, Galatians 4, and Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching you, admonishing you, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whoa, neat. I like it. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, look at this. Paul says, church, therefore, knowing all that you know, my beloved brothers and sisters. In other words, Paul's like, I got a soft spot in my heart for you. I do. He says, be steadfast. Be a rock. Be immovable. Don't budge. Don't go to the left or right. And lastly, he says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Be successful. I meet with a guy on Wednesdays. <clears throat> we have breakfast together and solve the problems of the world so much that we unsolve them before we leave. And we always throw around this question. What is success? I've been throwing around for like probably three years. What, is it, what does it mean to be successful? I don't know if you've heard this story or not, but there's a guy, he's out in the water and he's fishing. And a guy walks up to him and he sees that he's catching fish. He's catching lots of fish. And he says, hey, hey man, what are you doing? He says, I'm fishing. He says, you know, if you got another guy with you and you, you taught that other guy to fish like you fish, you could catch tons of fish. And then you could take that fish and you could sell that fish and you could make tons of money. And then you could get more boats and you could get more workers. And man, I mean, you would have this whole operation going on. The guy screams back and he says, then what would I be doing? He says, I don't know. He says, I'd be fishing on the lake. <laughs> I get it, right? What is success? What does it mean to be successful? Well, Paul kind of is quick to say what success looks like. He uses the word abounding. And Christians, we have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means we have grace and grace to the fullest. We are abounding in God's love. It dwells within us. It moves us to do things that we can't normally do. And Paul is quick to point out to the Corinthians, as well as the Christians who are here today, that success follows when you're steadfast and when you're immovable. He says, this is how you become successful. Be founded and grounded in the word of God. No scripture be immovable when it comes to taking time out and spending time in prayer and understand that you have a weapon at your disposal that is huge for you on knowing how to live so that you can experience true joy in this world and then you will be successful. You will be abounding, he says. You will be, you will be overflowing in the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Abound means to overflow, be abundant. Paul wants essentially for the Christians to surge in this. In Acts, in the New Testament church, the people rejoiced when they saw others increase and not just themselves. Well, what does that look like, Paul? How do I experience God's bounding love in my life? First thing, be humble. We talked about this a little bit in, uh, we always gather in the morning um, on Sundays to have a little bit of a team meeting. We pull all the worship uh, people in. We pull the media team and things like that together. 
we give kind of just like a little subtle charge. Uh, Jim Collins has a book called Good to Great, and in that book he has a little bit uh, of a quote, and it says, essentially, and and I'm going to misquote it here, but he says, essentially, be good, okay, at being interested in others instead of having others interested in you. And we see this in Jesus' life all the time. True humility is when we are interested in others' well-being instead of our own. True humility is when somebody comes by your side and you leave that conversation and you think to yourself, whoa, that person was more interested in me and we never talked about them. That's true humility. And we have to embrace this in tough times in our life. Service, obedience to Christ comes in good times and in tough trials. And Paul says, this happens when you continue the work of the Lord. He says, you know your giftedness, you know what you're good at, you know how this works, you know how to move, and this is when you are abounding, you are successful in the Lord. So be humble, church. Be humble, seeking the other person's best. This is the definition of love. Two, he says that you should be hungry. Some of you guys are like, I'm hungry. Once we have been humbled, Proverbs tells us that we receive honor. That's Proverbs 29. And we stay hungry to know and live out biblical truth. Sometimes, church, let me just be honest with you. Sometimes my biggest prayer in the morning is, God, would you make me hungry for your word? Sometimes that's the biggest prayer I pray. Make me hungry to not only know your word, but live out your word. Make me hungry to spend time in prayer with you. Make me hungry to be happy. Make me hungry to do what you have called me to do. Because sometimes, as Christians, we feel like hanging it up. Amen? Like, sometimes I just feel like, just throw it. Oh, shelf it. And that's when I'm spending more time in the world than I am in the word. And the third thing, be hardworking. Be diligently hardworking. Paul says this is the work of the Lord or our vocation. If you're a trash man, be a good one. If you're an auto mechanic, be a good one. We need some good auto mechanics. If you sell cars, be a good one. Don't pursue things for your own dishonest gain. If you are a teacher, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, he says, always be hardworking and diligent for the kingdom of God. Look what Paul says. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, grounded in the word of God. Be immovable. Don't go to the right or left. Abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is never in vain. <laughs> Man, sometimes I just want Jesus to be standing right here and tell me that, right? Just, God, tell me that what I'm doing is not in vain. Please, Jesus, just tell me that the work I'm doing is not in vain. And he just did right there in 1 Corinthians 58. Whatever you are doing, if you work at a factory, if you work at a supermarket, whatever it is, you are working for the Lord Jesus Christ. And may you, in that spot, be what Paul says. May you be beloved. May you be 
steadfast. May you be immovable, and may you abound in that work. May you be hardworking. Galatians chapter 6, he says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Church, if anything is to be said today, don't give up. Don't give up. Whatever God is calling you to do, don't give up. I was talking to a pastor, a friend of mine, um, just the other day, and uh, he says, Jordan, what's the most difficult part of being in the ministry? I said, the most difficult part of being in the ministry. Wow, that's a good question. Most difficult part of being in the ministry is everybody thinks it's on Sunday. But the true work of the Lord is done when we open up those doors and when we go out and live in the world. I said, the true work that needs to be done, the hardest part of ministry is living out what we say. We believe as Christians. And so may you, as you go in your jobs and your vocations and do life this week, be what Paul says. May you do it well. May you know that it's not being done in vain. May you pray for the people who you come in contact with, that they will receive the same Jesus that you have received. Let's pray together. Father God, how should we be in this season? We should be motivated. How should we be motivated, God? You tell us in your word that we should be motivated to be steadfast, to be immovable, and to abound in the work that you have laid before us. And so may we take a moment just this morning to understand the ramifications of that. Acknowledge the ways we've fallen short of that. And may we commit just right here this morning, right here this morning. It's you and Jesus right here this morning. And may you pray to the living God right here this morning that you would have a hunger for his word. If you believe that with your heart, if you want to know God's word, you pray right now, say, God, give me a hunger for your word. And may you ask God for a hunger to be in constant communication with him this morning. And may you be successful in fulfilling the obedience that God calls us to do while we're here on earth waiting for his son to come home. Pray that prayer here this morning. God, I thank you so much that you come, you died on the cross for my sin. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Messiah, that you did come in the form of a baby as a man. You worked on the earth. You showed us how to live. You died on a cross. You rose again. And you're ruling and reigning now. I believe that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God, I know there's work to be done because I know there's false teachers and injustice all over the world and people are struggling with how to be. And God, would you help me specifically to just be a student of your word, living out that biblical truth, spending time in communication with you, accessing you on a daily basis so that I would find success in doing your work here on earth. 
And I pray that same thing for every single person who is gathered here this morning. Give them a peace that passes all understanding and a joy that is nothing like this world has to offer. Keep our eyes open, our ears open, so that we can hear you coming. Because we anticipate the fact that you will come again. And we await that glorious day that you will call us home. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab. 